0: CSA and the host of the CCA podcast show. If you've been tuned in before, you know I have been interviewing leaders and practitioners in the cybersecurity for control system space. These are the folks that are working on securing our critical infrastructure. These are networks that have pumps and valves and actuators, cyber to physical systems networks that are fundamentally different than traditional IT networks. And I've got today a great guest, an inventor, a professor, in fact, a distinguished professor at Washington University. He's also a father, he's a fellow at IEEE and many other professional organizations. He's an expert, all things magnetic. I, I, I don't know, uh, Ron, if you have a magnetic personality, but I, I saw so many different things having to do with uh, magnetic. And you hold over a hundred patents. You're a scuba diver, which is near and dear to my heart. Uh, and you are the CEO of QNET Security today, as well as the founder and CEO of, or founder, at least, and director of other companies as well. So I put in there probably serial entrepreneur. Uh, Ron, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Derek. Really appreciate you inviting me. And I'm thrilled to talk with you today.
0: Well, Ron, um, I uh, you know, love looking through your background. You know, we've known each other now for a little while. But I didn't know many things, and that's been the luxury of doing this show. I've gotten to know uh, some amazing new details about, uh, about my friends and colleagues in the space. And uh, I, I love that we're going to do this. We've had a, a wide variety of guests coming from all these different backgrounds, military backgrounds, government backgrounds, a couple of people from academic backgrounds, but not many. And that's your, your, you know a big portion of your journey. And, uh, and then the inventor part, all the patents you've been involved with. So I think this is going to be exciting. A lot of our listeners are um, – there's two groups. There's people at early and mid-stage career, and they're taking inspiration and ideas from these interviews. And I know you'll be chock full of stuff that they can latch onto. But then I'm also hearing from peers, and people are just saying, "I didn't know so-and-so story," and they're excited just sort of hear people's personal professional journeys. And so um, I'm trying to get into that with you. The you know the thing I always say at the beginning: of this is all uh, you know all. Um, Cybersecurity people are sort of superheroes of today and all superheroes have a backstory. And so um yours is uh not the stereotypical tech CEO uh backstory. But let's just start a little bit with uh where you know where you came from.
1: So if you're talking about geographically, I grew up in uh the great cold north, uh, up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and that's where uh I got my degrees. And then from there I started traveling the world, um, went to uh Japan. Uh, where I did uh, a fellowship there at Tohoku University. Uh, from there, came back, uh, began a career at Washington University, as you mentioned. But during that time, just had a lot of things happen and got excited about uh, transitioning technology into uh, business, and that's where the entrepreneurship came. Uh, and so we started uh, several companies.
0: Oh, that's that's great. I love, I love this sort of uh, uh, pathway. You know, I my career path has been um, you know former military and then entrepreneur, and I think you served quite a few years in academia. I'm, were you at Washington University a couple of decades?
1: Yeah, I was at Washington University for 22 years. Yeah, so uh, a long time uh, created a lot of problems over there. Uh, we did a lot of fundamental applied research um, in, as you mentioned already, magnetics. Uh, but what uh, I liked to do was to uh, integrate a lot of different things, whether it was public policy or law, physics, chemistry, um, even medicine, uh, into the work that we were doing. Uh, that created, I think, some of the most interesting uh, pathways and avenues for both the research and, uh, as I mentioned, you know, transitioning that technology. Uh, into print.
0: So um, I always like to ask sort of uh, where technology uh, or engineering, because we have people obviously that come from IT backgrounds, and there's people who have cybersecurity in their bio going way back, and there's people who cybersecurity sort of merged in much later. And, you know, where did technology, if you go all the way back, I mean, I'm talking formative years, were you interested in technology uh, or engineering, uh, you know, as a young person?
1: Yeah, so I was the kid who always took things apart. So that's more engineering than technology. Uh, I just like to understand how things work. Um, Loved science uh, and mathematics. So as we talk about STEM today, you know, I was that nerdy kid. But transitioning really from science into technology, when I recognized that uh, in order for things to be practical, you want to get into the technologies and into engineering. So as an example, I'm actually an applied physicist, but when things become useful, whether it's semiconductors or optics or magnetics, it, it gets jettisoned from physics and it goes over typically to electrical engineering or some of the other engineering disciplines I followed. So I went from physics and uh, then started uh, a career in engineering, and that's where um, you know I ended up doing not just uh, the research, but the patenting and the entrepreneurship, uh, as well as uh, the
0: academic career. What is the first sort of bridge or connection to cybersecurity in that?
1: Yeah, that that came very early on. Uh, I met some folks uh, from defense. And also justice. So I was working with uh, folks from the FBI and the Secret Service, and they had some very interesting problems. They could only tell me their first name, uh, which was just curious to me. But anyway, uh, so I worked with Bob, and I solved some of the problems that they had. And it just, uh, you know, grabbed me. These were issues that, still today, I can't share every element or aspect of it with you, but. It uh, had to do with uh, physical security related to magnetics and magnetic materials. That's why my license plate says magnets. My license plate is magnets. You know, from there, uh, just got into different aspects of security, cybersecurity in particular, very quickly, um, and then founded the Center for Security Technologies at Washington University, which was largely... Security technologies related to cybersecurity, but uh, as I said before, I like to pull in different things. So 20% of that center, even though it was a technology center, was uh, public policy, law, uh, social work, and, and so on.
0: Okay, awesome. That's, uh, yeah, boy, I can just think of all the sort of different things sort of on your your career path that that, that early exposure must have, in, you know, infused in you. Do you remember when, you know, I think this is also sort of, a, sometimes for people, this is a much later milestone, because it's a, it's a younger discipline. Do you remember when cybersecurity as it pertains to Operating technology. I was trying to listening to your, you know, some of the projects, obviously that you, you can't go into the details on, but is is operating technology and cybersecurity or industrial control systems. You know, the focus of our, you know, association, the work uh, that that we've collaborated with you guys on, is focused in that area. When did that intersect?
1: Yeah, that came about in the nineties. Um, I don't know if it, that's a long time ago for your listeners or not very long, um, but uh, it came about in the nineties when. We saw applications for uh, security. We didn't even call it cybersecurity at that point. It was, uh, you know, just security uh, or electrical security. Uh, and being able to secure critical infrastructure, again, we didn't call it critical infrastructure back then, but recognizing that the industrial control systems uh, were at risk, the uh, issues around manufacturing, around utilities, around things uh, control system ish um that uh that was a challenge that hadn't been solved very well uh and i think that's that's when we uh, started to internalize it uh and then you fast forward a couple of decades through the center for security Technologies, through some of the other uh heterogeneous uh, uh computing things that i've done in the past uh and then the co-founder here jerry cox um and we started this company specifically around uh, control system cybersecurity. So just meeting a challenge that was unmet uh, at the time. And the company was founded in the mid-2010s.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was wondering about that. And is anything, you know, that QNET's working on, does that stem from any of the activity in your fairly significant uh, patent portfolio? I mean, it, is that, were you doing research that led to this sort of thing?
1: Yeah, A great question. Um, so a lot of my patents are in what's called heterogeneous compute, which is bringing the right compute resource to the problem at the right time. Oftentimes that means we're using something other than a general purpose processor. As we looked at securing control systems, securing networks with what was typically at the day software, uh, we recognized that going all the way back to nineteen thirty six and Alan Turing and the halting problem. Uh, anyway, software is not is not the best choice in many instances for cybersecurity. Rather, if you bring the right resource, so what do you want? What makes software not the right the right solution there? Um, and it really goes to the compute resource. So a general-purpose processor with software on top of it does so many things so well, uh, and it's awesome for that. But if you want it to be a fixed engine doing cybersecurity and not doing what the malicious uh Uh, uh, folks or or the criminals want it to do, you need to fix that machine so that it can't do those things. And that's where that heterogeneous background, the heterogeneous uh, compute background of mine came in, where taking hardware to secure things uh, was a twist on what we were doing um, uh, otherwise outside. Um, and, And, you know, that formed the basis of uh, the kinds of things, the approaches that we're taking and that other people in the industry are doing uh to solve this generational problem.
0: Okay, awesome. Uh that that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm sort of curious uh for those that are listening, uh especially people, let's say people in, in, in academia, um if you just sort of again we're jumping around a little bit of the timeline, but I'm curious, you know, you jumped out and became an entrepreneur and there's people thinking about that sort of thing and there's different constraints right there's there's tenure and i've been you know in academia but you did it you know i'm curious what the spark or you know um what what made you make that that decision and what that's been like and and you know thinking in terms of you know we know we have a lot of people from academia eight percent of our uh, of our event attendees are students or uh, or you know or teachers and educators so this reaches some of them and some of them might be thinking about, you know, taking that leap, but it can be a little bit scary. So I thought that might be something also you could provide some some insight on. Sure,
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I actually get asked this a lot because I had what other people would have said was a very successful career in academia. You know, we always had among the top uh, uh, research funds uh, you know in the school, but it isn 't i don 't see it as any change or failure in anything that we were doing, but if you think about what I said, um, going from physics to engineering, going from science to technology, going and making things practical so that people could use them, the people that like to see things all the way through to the end a, a great path, even if you 're in academia, is doing something entrepreneurial. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to start your own company. You could certainly uh, think about licensing or, or at the very least consulting for companies and taking those great ideas and the energy and the excitement and really the, the approach that usually is different, uh, bring that to industry uh, can be very exciting and tremendously rewarding. And so I would say if somebody is interested in that, it is a leap, Uh, you know, you've built up or are, you mentioned tenure and some of the other things that you have to think about as you build a career uh, in academia. It it can be frightening at first, I imagine, but uh, I would say go for it and you can certainly get started easily. Uh, through consulting or through, um, you know, trying to license some of the ideas or technologies that you've developed.
0: I was going to ask you that, Ron. Did, did, you, ever, did you ever participate in, in tech transfer from any, uh, any of the academic uh, projects? Did any of your companies result as a spin-out from tech transfer?
1: Yeah, we did quite a bit of tech transfer. Um, as a matter of fact, the first thing I did was to license uh, a security technology it's quite widespread now, ubiquitous in the industry. Uh, from there, then we started to think about building our own company. And so the first sets of patents were monetized by building uh, a company outside the university. So the university had a stake in it, a share in the uh, company, and uh, actually helped us grow along the way. So, again, back to your first question, you know, if somebody's interested, what do they do? I would certainly check to see if the university that you're in has a tech transfer program. Tell them you're interested. Tell them you got great ideas and you want to get hooked up with, and then they will help finish that uh, sentence. It could be with investors. It could be with um, other people. Some people are entrepreneurs that are looking for technology to monetize. Uh, there are other companies that are looking to take the technology, and as I say, license it. So uh, effectively transitioning um, or transferring that technology out usually takes the inventor, takes the professor. Uh, otherwise, it isn't going to succeed in most cases. So it's it's a great uh, a, a great path, a great opportunity um, is tech transfer.
0: Super. Thank you for sharing on that, because I know that 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 could really pertain to to some of our listeners. I also know you had some early collaboration, you sort of alluded to government collaboration, but one of them was with U.S. Air Force and working on and protecting sort of sen- very sensitive assets. I'm not sure what you can talk about what the Air Force Research Laboratory was trying to solve and what you were doing with that project.
1: Yeah. Um, so at a high level, uh, it's actually quite simple. Uh, it's very similar to the kind of activities that you would do uh, in an OT environment or in a control system. You have uh, critical assets at the edge, um, the tactical edge, if you're uh, um, in the Air Force or in uh, defense. And what you want to be able to do is to connect those the resources, those devices, those war fighters in the battle space in order to enable them to do their job, do their mission, uh, and do so without being interrupted without being discovered without being um uh uh, challenged in in many ways so again at a high level our charge was to provide secure communications out to the tactical edge that tactical edge could be um a, a soldier's tablet could be a drone Um, It could be, um, you know, some other kind of uh, uh, information gathering or information processing, whether it's maps or uh, uh, other kinds of uh, uh, activities that need to be done, you know, in the field that need to be done securely. So that that was our charge, our challenge. Uh, I, I think we knocked it out of the park. Um, we did, we satisfied every requirement that they had asked of us, and then some, Um, and, you know, the approach that we took uh, is very similar, almost identical uh, to the approach that we take when we secure uh, critical infrastructure control systems, whether it's a utility manufacturing, or in this case, the battle space.
0: Yeah, so what you're doing today is... Highly inspired by your, your, your path along the way then.
1: Absolutely, yes. yes. It all it hangs all together. As a matter of fact, there, there really isn't um, uh, multiple paths. It's just one big path. We, we, we meandered along that path, but uh, it's really one big path that uh, uh, takes into account all of these uh, different activities and use cases.
0: So, you know, I think another thing comes to mind that could be be helpful to people, at you know, in, in lots of different situations, um, not just sort of one one particular kind of professional background, which is recognizing opportunity. And you've done a lot of that. So is there anything you would share around how you do that and how people could do that? You know, they may be embedded. Who knows? They could be, it could be in government. They could be in corporations. They could be in academia. But there's there's something too looking for opportunities, recognizing opportunities, vetting opportunities, and you've had to do that multiple times. I'm assuming there's some things you pursued that you did not turn into products and companies, and, and that's part of that same process. You, you came to a fork in the road and didn't go right. You know What can you share in that area? Wow, that's a big question, Derek. <laughs> um, so, yes,
1: to, to be sure, uh, there have been plenty of uh, paths that just didn't pan out. Uh, maybe I just or we just weren't smart enough. Um, but so how do we get there? First of all, you look around and what interests me are those challenges that aren't solved. There are lots of people who love to take something and just make it pretty or just, uh, you know, improve the performance a little bit. Uh, and that's what gets them, uh, you know, awake in the morning and, and hard to fall asleep at night. For me, it's solving problems that others haven't or others have been challenged to do. And I have never done this alone. As I say, going from science to engineering, you know, into technology, you don't find solutions in a closet by yourself. Uh, you have to work with people. So if you look around and you see things that haven't been done yet, uh, just start looking around, talking to your colleagues, talking to, um, you know, people that have an interest and start to uh, think about how you might solve it. And don't start with the uh, conventional linear solution. Start with a whiteboard that's clean. Uh, you know, who would have thought that you would uh, do a good job of cybersecurity by taking that thing that we all know and love and, and work with every day uh, in dozens of devices, whether it's uh, a refrigerator, stove, computer, phone, whatever, and take the software out and do something different. So we looked at it a little bit differently, and that's, uh, you know, where we came up with uh, our solution. But it was not a solution of, you know, a single individual or a single uh mind it was uh a collaborative result
0: you know uh gosh there's so many threads we could pull and i think that was that was a good share i I, i'm always every one of these sessions there's been some what i call gold nuggets and i think that's that's another one right there and 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 people their approach it's it's alien to some folks like how do you recognize an opportunity i've been asked that as an entrepreneur for 25 years and i loved how you you know sort of how you uh you shared about that um i think it's 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 sort of opening one's mind up to it and being sort of observant and thinking and like you said I love your mention on teams as well can you comment on that but I think that's another thing I've, I've asked a lot of guests on the show about that I think there's a lot of security folks uh, either people in the industry already or people that want to enter uh, you know our industry there's a, just a huge amount of value to people skills right and learning to work with teams in fact that's probably one of the keys to success
1: yeah no doubt um, and, and when, I, uh, when I teach classes. Um, one of the things that I do, I always try to have a project or something, and most of my work is graduate, but it, it, it works at undergraduate level as well, but is getting people to forcing them to work together. Again, I recognize that the the advances, the major advances that we have uh, are team advances. So you got to learn how to work with a team. You have to learn how to share You have to learn um, to uh, help somebody as they might be finding, you know, some kind of uh, roadblock or stumbling block and get them over that because they're going to do the same thing to you. And together you guys are going to get to some places that nobody has ever been before. So it doesn't have to be your colleague, you know, in the desk next to you. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's going to be a colleague so if you are in cybersecurity uh, and you're working, um, you know, a network cybersecurity and you're working with somebody who is trying to secure uh, a utility, a wind turbine out in the field, uh, it may be interesting to work with somebody who isn't a cybersecurity person, but somebody who knows uh, how things operate and then try to uh, collaborate with them on a new solution, uh, again, that nobody's thought of before, uh, so that you can, you know, create a a solution, a mousetrap, uh, that's better than what's been done before. What, so collaboration what, is key in my mind. Sorry, go ahead,
0: Derek. No, no, no. I, I, you just, you know, I mean, you took some words out of my mouth. I, I I think it is key. And I think, you know, that's sort of emerging as part of CSA's mission is to build better you know, encourage, build, support, um, educate, and and give people the tools to do better collaboration and and trust building. You know, when talking in some of these companies where different departments that need to be working on securing the control systems aren't you know aren't working well together, or aren't trusting each other. At least to, you know historically, there's been a lot of of dysfunction uh, even in in same organizations. And so it's like we got to get together, we got to work together, and and, uh, and and take things from each other. It's a you know the cumulative effect. I mean, I suppose it's the I always love the, um, you know, the, the supposedly attributed uh, um, saying, uh, you know, around the sum of the, um, what is it, Aristotle, you know, the sum of the parts uh, is greater, um, what is it, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And, uh, oh, that's
1: you know, right. And uh, that's so- because you get them all, you know, kind of rowing in the same direction. So you brought up some challenges that are typically um, systemic. I, I know you didn't use these words, but, you know, we all have seen some competition uh, between IT and OT where perhaps it's a competition of resources or dollars or time or mind share. And you're all trying to get to the same place at the same time. So let's work together. And as you said, you know, leverage what, uh, uh, what we know in one space into another uh, and vice versa. So whatever we can learn um, and share from OT back into IT um, is, you know, a, a, a better, uh, a whole that is better than the sum of the parts.
0: Yeah, we're on the same, same page there. Uh, you know, we get a lot of questions uh, Just to segue a little bit uh, around, you know, the what's next, what's next, in the future, and things like artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning, uh, blockchain. You know, they're like, is that going to be, you know, part of the solution of the future? And you're talking about uh you know hardware and hard sec, you know I know it's a term that you use you know is that a, is that a you know in your mind a big part of the future versus you know versus some of those other uh, other technology applications
1: Yeah so it isn't it isn't versus so it isn't an either or you laid out a lot of stuff for a technologist to grab onto there <laughs> So let's just start with some of the um yeah, Ron, work uh AI
0: you're not going to unpack the the whole cybersecurity universe in in 45 minutes or less, but the entire thing we got to cover everything.
1: Sure, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but uh real quickly, you know, we when we think about some of the computational challenges that we have, we don't know tomorrow what what we're going to need necessarily. So, we want to set up a a structure that can help us out. And that's really where artificial intelligence or machine learning comes from. And this is in the area of classification and really being able to detect what it is that uh, might be wrong in your system uh, or what may be going awry or what might be amiss in the system. You think about that from the I need to detect. And one of the things that you'd like to do is find some solutions for protection. So even before somebody gets in or before something's been compromised, how do we secure it? You talked then about blockchain, uh, and that's one approach that you might use for securing certain things, the blockchain, the distributed ledger technology, DLT. uh, You know, that's a, a good choice for certain applications, but it may or may not be the right choice for your application. When we think about hard sec versus the software approach, um, a lot of people get confused, again, trying to think about, well, if it's hardware and I can't change it tomorrow and I don't know what uh, you know I need for tomorrow, I want that ability to change it. And what I said before about that was, one of the elements of security and the ability for us to claim that these, uh, this approach can be provably secure is that we don't let it change. So it's fixed. It's immutable. And for many applications, that's exactly what you want. Uh, you know, you think about an OT environment where you have something that's been there for 20 years and you want to be able to put something in there that can stay or remain in there for years, if not decades, and continue to do the job. So, technology is great. And again, it depends upon what you're trying to solve. And as we all know, cybersecurity is a many layered solution uh, if you're going to succeed. So, it is maybe not either or, or um, uh, one or the other, but rather the right choice of the right solution for the problem that you're trying to solve. Sometimes that will be AI. Sometimes that will be blockchain. Sometimes that will be hard sec. And other times it's going to be a combination of all of the above.
0: Yeah. You know, define hard sec, Ron. Just maybe give the the best definition of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and sorry, uh, we didn't have that definition early, and then it just kind of showed up here. Sorry. <laughs>
0: no, no, um, I, I, you know, so, in my mind, I know what it is, but I know we've got listeners. We, 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 people have been working in the industry a long time, throw out various types of terms, and I'm starting to get sensitive because we have, you know, the whole stack. Including entry-level people joining, you know, joining our organization across our 25,000 community members, and then, you know, the earlier uh, in their career path or just joining us, they're overwhelmed with a lot of these terms. And So I'm trying to get my own discipline to, to to myself define things and ask you guys to define things too for everybody. Sure,
1: absolutely, and I appreciate that. So I'll I'll go back and put my professorial hat back on. <laughs> um, so hardware security is an approach for. Uh, making things secure by having or replacing uh the compute engine with something that is fixed immutable it cannot be changed so just to make sure that we're clear oftentimes people think about hardware as a device something they hold in their hands and that that in fact is hardware but most of the time if it's uh Uh, a PLC, if it's a firewall, if it's uh, some network device, it's going to have a general purpose processor, an operating system, and software that run that device. HardSack replaces that engine, that general purpose processor, the operating system, and the software with a device that does the computation, does the uh the processing that you want and need and cannot be changed. It can't be a word processor or a spreadsheet or a graphics processor tomorrow. Uh, it can only be a cybersecurity solution. Full stop. And that's what hardsec is.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. That that was a good definition. It it actually gave me some context I, I didn't actually have for that. Uh, I also saw um a discussion you had, and I thought this was very interesting. You took the position that cybersecurity now is almost a human rights or international development issue. Can you, can you elaborate uh, on that for our audience?
1: Yeah, sure. So we're working uh, in a time, you know, I use the, the term that we're working with a generational issue. Cybersecurity is critically important um, and we're not just talking about uh, uh, life and livelihood or your bank account. We're talking about um, can be at risk if uh, a hospital goes down, if uh, it doesn't have power, if there is um, uh, an attack on uh, and some kind of infrastructure or some kind of um, uh, element that we are using in order to maintain a safe and secure society. So as we think about the kinds of uh, activities that we might be doing, um, it could be a security um, a kind of an effort, something like uh, you know, uh, uh, preparing, Uh, another country uh, to defend its population. We want to make sure that what we give them cannot be compromised, cannot be uh, taken over by someone else for some other nefarious purposes. Or let's say uh, it's USAID uh, that is going over and helping our uh, friends develop some new uh, capabilities in their utility grid, in their electrical grid. And again, uh, being able to deliver at the same time uh, a cybersecurity solution that protects that society, uh, I think is just as important as delivering um, a solution that's going to uh, deliver power to uh, the citizens of that particular country. So it's, it's as important and must be done uh, at the same time.
0: Uh, I like that uh, that view. I, I I must admit that resonates with me. We, you know, that might have not been true some time ago. Where we're talking about, you know, when I started in cybersecurity, it was about banking, you know. Uh, but now, um, now it is about things that we rely on that I think we most people in society take for granted that they all work. Um, and and not not just electricity and water, not just utilities, but just like supply chain. That there's groceries on the you know on the shelf. Um, that the, all the all the uh, elevators and HVAC systems in my building, you know, work. Um, uh, that I can, you know, can I can get to work and all the traffic systems work. And these are all networked now. And so we we I don't know how many systems we touch from the moment we get up in the morning to when we go to bed, but it's 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 a lot and they're networked. Uh, if they aren't yet, I mean, I think they probably all are now. But if they aren't yet, they all will soon be. And so we are talking about how we live and the criticality of that is very different. You know, not to make light of the banks that got hit in, you know, in the, in the nineties or whatever. But that was a particular kind of, you know, of theft, but not what we're talking about now.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, And and it used to be, uh, you know, in in order to hurt a person, uh, we used to think about the only way we could do that is either in person, you know, somebody comes and and hits you over the head or uh, somebody flies a plane over and drops a bomb or whatever. Um, But it was, you know, pretty dramatic and and pretty different. And um, right now, you can have more impact on more people by attacking through the network than uh, really you can any other way. And so, again, if you don't pay attention to that security and you deliver the kinds of uh, systems that we all rely on, we all expect, uh, without cybersecurity, then, you know, it's, it's just putting that uh, entire population, entire uh, activity at risk.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly uh, I certainly agree with you. Well, so we're getting sort of near the end of our time together. and There's so many things you can talk about. But I, I think with your perspective and long background in this space and this, you know, um, it's just an amazing patent portfolio – let's look to the future what, what what do you see i guess you know what what's your if you're future gazing um what are the trends you know what are the things um that you see that concern you or that you're excited about or both yeah
1: so in the um uh, ot space you know we're we're certainly working on uh, as you mentioned everything is is networked think about green energy you know every anything that's green solar a uh, wind you know, geothermal, all that stuff is physically distributed. It's not all in the same place. It isn't like a manufacturing uh, building or a spot where everything happens all at once. It tends to be very distributed, widely distributed, and that needs, requires networking. And so in order to, again, to keep the uh, resilience, the reliability of those systems, uh, you need to have and build in uh, from the start, you need to build in cybersecurity. Uh, if you add cybersecurity as a uh, an afterthought or as uh, you know a secondary concern, you're never going to get to where you could and should be if you consider it a primary design criteria. So, what I see uh, happening is not just that people are willing to pay for it, but that people are actually starting to develop new things, products, uh, uh, networks, systems with cybersecurity in mind. And that's uh, a game changer. You know, I think that is going to change the cybersecurity landscape, uh, certainly from what we have it today. uh, And it will hopefully put uh, the criminals um you know back in a box and uh keep them away from uh doing the kind of uh harm that they have been able to do quite recently
0: well you're, you're great you're talking about yeah you're talking about secure by design and having a secure development life cycle as part of your standard operating practice when you're making things and creating things uh, and and you're right i mean what we have today is is a legacy of that didn't exist things were made for their their functionality and for the things they could do for us um and not at all secure by design, but that 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 does have to. Be. I share your vision. That has to be part of the you know part of the uh, part of the future. That's the legacy that our children are inheriting. It's just you know instead of trusting everything, it's great. Connectivity is awesome. If we, you know make a make elected decisions uh, you know for trust versus trust everything and every now and then say, oh, I don't trust that. Probably don't trust everything and every now and then say I do trust that.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly.
0: Um, hopefully my children uh, get that. I, I, you know, I grew up with, yeah, let's connect. And uh, so um, it's, 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 a, it's a game change, a mind change. Um, anything, you know, people ask, uh, you know, you know, especially our entry level people or people earlier in their career paths, like what's exciting, that, you know, what's an area I might go and you you've maybe it's maybe sort of retreading on some, some stuff you've already talked about, but maybe you could just sort of reemphasize if what they're asking is, where could I start to read and think and join working groups to become become valuable five years from now? Because it's it's an emerging area versus just cybersecurity. There's so many places you could put your time and energy. What's an area somebody might begin to focus or specialize to become, you know, to be sort of, you know, they I know I know what they're asking. They want to be on the they want to be on the cutting edge of something that that becomes uh, quite evident x years later. Be like, oh yeah, we we need somebody who's an expert in cloud. Come over here, you know, and you're highly sought after. And, and so they were sort of always asking me, you know, like, what, what's, what's going to be the exciting area tomorrow?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, all of your questions have been great, by the way. Yeah, the, the thing that uh, I think people are going to um, or are beginning to realize is very exciting. So we've been talking about the OT networks, the critical infrastructure those things that most people would classify as being old and dirty and just simply they aren't sexy. I mean, who cares about manufacturing or who cares about a utility? When in fact, those are really cutting edge networks, very uh, important elements uh, within uh, what it is that everybody is doing. And so I think a lot of people start cybersecurity on the IT side and they, uh, not by design or choice necessarily, um, but they just tend to neglect that uh, OT application area. But if you think about it, a lot of our malware was developed for and by folks that are working in the OT space to, to do some pretty uh, interesting things, if not damaging things. Uh, and so having an appreciation for OT along with everything else, uh, whatever you're studying in cybersecurity, uh, I think is, is really smart, really good. The, the buzzword today is quantum. You know, everybody is thinking quantum key distribution quantum, uh, post-quantum cryptography, um, you know, working with quantum uh, computation and quantum computers. And that is an interesting area. And I I think it's uh, certainly uh, something to to be watching and to, you know, be aware of. Um, But I I think we're actually several years away uh, from, uh, you know, anything here Uh, becoming applicable uh, on a widespread use for uh, cybersecurity. So, you know, just uh, again, I think just keep an eye on everything, but uh, grab hold of those things that really need to be solved and done here and now. Um, And I think it it will lead to a very exciting
0: uh,
1: and rewarding career.
0: And it's got longevity, right? I don't think uh, I don't think these this career path or the pathways within cybersecurity there there's nothing but upward mobility and future possibility. One could say that's a sad uh, evolution for our society, but it's just true, right? We're connecting so many things, and it's <laughs> the way it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I, I always told my students that within five to ten years they were going to be doing something different, um, considerably different. Uh, And it was rare for any of my students to come back and say, yeah, I've been doing this for 30 years. Uh, Most of them did change. I agree with you that cybersecurity is not going away. It is exciting now. Your comment about (laughs) it being a commentary on uh, our society is uh, interesting. But really, I think it's a commentary on the importance that networking is playing in our society um and that's you know what we just have to understand and uh, work on and leverage uh as we go forward so yeah you are not going to lose your job uh in the next 3 decades i am certain if you go into cybersecurity
0: i think you are right so uh as we sort of wind up ron if you had to go back and talk to uh, uh ron in uh in in 1988 what career advice uh, would you give, uh, give yourself?
1: Oh, boy. I guess um, uh, patience uh, uh, to just, you know, follow, follow the, the, the thoughts that uh, are coming. They may be frustrating. It may be slow. But uh, usually a good idea, even though most ideas are not new, Somebody has been, you know, thought about them before or been working on them before. Um, But these good ideas usually take time to uh, develop and to, you know, extend into uh, the real world.
0: So I think just
1: patience and perseverance.
0: Two good Ps right there. Um. Yep. All right. Uh, well, Ron, uh, thank you so much for uh, not only being on the show, but uh, you know, supporting the industry in many different ways, supporting the you know our our organization CISA in 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 multiple ways as well. You and your 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 colleagues at uh, at QNAT Security, um, we we appreciate that. I think the the um, you know the mission of of CISA is helping lift up and support the, the the cyber workforce focused in this you know critical area that that we are you know mutually working on um and we appreciate that and 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 you know this we're talking about stuff i mean p- pertaining to the whole conversation we've had that's important to our society so um you know thank you for that and uh, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your um your years of experience and wisdom and insight with our audience
1: yeah well thank you Derek and i'm going to turn it around and say you're the one that really has had the impact you're the one that is uh doing the things that you're doing Improving the industry, impacting the individuals, impacting uh, uh, the elements that um, are creating a much better uh, place for us to be. So we thank you and appreciate all the work that you're doing. So,
0: well, thank you, Ron. And it's uh, it's it's been a pleasure getting uh, getting to know you. Okay. Take, take care and be well. And we'll uh, I know I'll be talking to you again. I'm sure quite soon
1: good deal. Thank you. Have a great day.